Hi there, welcome to episode 99. Today, we're talking about perfectionism in motherhood. In today's world, women are trying to do it all and be it all, and frankly, it's exhausting. In this episode, I'm speaking with Katya Hollam about finding the courage to become the person and the mother that is authentic to ourselves, rather than chasing some ideals that we see on Instagram and Pinterest. You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona. Hi there, it's Danae here. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is episode 99, and today I have a lovely interview, or I should probably call it a conversation with Katya Hollam. We're talking about perfectionism in motherhood, and if you think that this episode doesn't apply to you, you might be surprised. Many of us have an inner perfectionist that's lingering, whether or not we're conscious of it. Before we jump into the episode, here's a quick word from today's sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Casper. If you're anything like me and you get decision fatigue, then shopping for a mattress is probably overwhelming. I know that when I walk into a mattress store, as soon as I've laid down on three or four different varieties, I have them all mixed up in my head. You spend a third of your life sleeping, so this is a big decision because you want to be comfortable. Casper is easily the internet's favorite mattress. It has over 20,000 reviews, averaging 4.8 stars across Amazon and Google. So if simplifying the mattress buying process appeals to you, I encourage you to try Casper. You can be sure of your purchase because you get 100 nights risk-free. If you're not happy with it, you can get free return shipping. No questions asked. But I think you're going to like it because the experts at Casper have worked tirelessly to make sure that you're going to get a quality night's sleep. And something else that I love is that everything has been designed and developed and assembled right here in the U.S. And right now for the Simple Families audience, you can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com forward slash family and using promo code family at checkout. Certain terms and conditions do apply. And back to today's episode. This month in March, we are focusing on finding mindfulness and calm in family. If you're interested in joining in on the discussion, you can go to simplefamilies.com forward slash March and join us in the focused Facebook group on this topic. In today's episode, we are talking with Katya Hallam, the author of the new book, The Courage to Become. Katya and I are talking about the pursuit of perfectionism in motherhood. But how do we focus on the things that really matter to us and the things that we really value in our family? Many of us, myself included, struggle with bits of perfectionism. And I know firsthand that finding calm and mindfulness in my family has involved really embracing where we are today, rather than constantly focusing on striving and planning for the next step and for the future. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you have questions or comments, please leave those in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 99. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Katya. Hi, Katya. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. Hi, Danae. I'm super glad to be here and super glad to be with your peeps. Yeah. So as you probably know, and I know as the audience knows that this month we're talking about finding mindfulness and calm. And I thought that this was a great time to chat with you, Katya, about your new book and about your journey a little bit. And your new book is called The Courage to Become. And I think that just the title alone provides inspiration for all of us because I know that the journey into motherhood 
isn't easy for anyone. I think it's full of, um, full of contradictions, full of expectations, and in many times full of disappointments too. Yes, definitely full of disappointments. And I think, um, also full of beautiful things, but the disappointments come, I think, because we are not totally prepared or, and not that you can ever really be prepared totally, but we just don't have a good idea of what a true, honest account of motherhood looks like, especially right in the beginning. So we don't really have anyone to model after or any blueprint to follow. And so we're kind of striving for the things that we see on the fly. So like, um, magazines or social media or the latest starlet who is pregnant and it just, our lives don't look like that because their lives don't look like that. Absolutely. And Katya, tell us really quick about yourself. Can you let me know how you got into this work and really what your motivation for this book was and a little bit about your family too? Sure. Yeah. So, um, I'm married and I have two beautiful daughters, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And, um, I was a hobby blogger before I became a serious writer. And by serious, I just mean I write frequently, nothing that doesn't mean I'm good. It just means I write a lot. Um, and when I was, let me see, about two months postpartum, I came home from working out and I asked my husband, I said, Hey, how come nobody told me about all these weird things that are going to happen? And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, um, everyone's telling me what stroller to buy, but nobody's telling me about the big, weird, confusing things like nursing or like intimacy after pregnancy or body image after pregnancy or career changes and And so I was just, it was kind of like my life had exploded and I needed someone to help me. And I really wanted to follow a real account of a real woman. Like I wanted her to show me the way, you know, and it just wasn't out there and there was a void. And so I decided to write a book about it because I just, I just wanted women to know, first of all, I knew if I was experiencing it, somebody else was also. And I knew that the thing that worked best for me in times of just great stress or despair, even as a new mom is that when somebody said, Hey, I went through that too. And you're going to be okay. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that for all the weird stages that nobody really wants to talk about. And so I sat down and I decided to write the book and I wrote, um, 60 minutes a day. It was not fancy. I, didn't know anybody in publishing. I mean, I just kind of said I wanted to do something and I did it. I love that. And I think that when we have big life changes in our life, such as entering into motherhood or, you know, starting a new job, whatever it might be, that we, we never really know what the expectations are. And I think in particular, in this big life transition that you're writing about becoming a mother, there are certain expectations that we develop based on the things that we see around us. Like you said, whether it's magazine covers, TV coverage, um, social media, whatever it might be. And I know that after talking to a lot of my audience members, that there is sort of this idea of 
the perfect mother and that we in many ways are striving to be her, even if we don't realize it. And I dug a little bit deeper into this idea because I was curious. I was like, you know, what, what is the perfect mother and what is it that we are all striving to be? What, Mm -hmm. what does this woman really look like? And a few times now I have asked my audience, you know, tell me what, if, if you could, define the perfect mother. Tell me what she would look like. And each time that I've done this exercise, I have had a definition that is almost identical. And I'm fascinated by it because I think that um, this mother who is defined, who I'm going to read you the definition in just a second, is someone that is that represents so many of the things that I see on Instagram and on Pinterest every day. And I think she's not real at all, but yet she very much lives in our minds and in our worries and in our thoughts. Okay. Yeah, so, let's hear it. Yeah. So I'm going to read you. So I named her Georgia. For, I don't know why I chose that name, just sort of random. <laughs> um, but so what I did was I took all the comments from my audience and their ideas of what the perfect mother looked like, and I combined it all into one. So Georgia is completely full of contradictions, but I think the expectations that we have of ourselves are also very much full of contradictions. And I want you to help me sort of maybe pick this apart and figure out where do these ideas come from and what we can do to really have the courage to become the mother that's right for us and the person that we are truly authentically meant to be. Okay. Without further ado. <laughs> All right. So Georgia. Let's hear about Georgia. <laughs> she is, she's beautiful, obviously. She's a size two mother of many children. She spends most of her time at home caring for them, executing Pinterest projects. Her children are perfectly behaved when they need to be, but they also know how to let loose and have fun at exactly the right moments, just like their mom. She actively participates in her kids' school. She's dedicated her life to giving them the best of everything, including her attention, her free time, all of it. She's also the CEO of a successful company. Her work is meaningful, fulfilling, and it pays the bills. In her free time, she also grows her own organic garden, free-range chickens, and she keeps a cow which she milks with her own bare hands to provide raw milk for her family. (laughs) Georgia is (laughs) she's active every day, running three miles or more. This helps to provide her perfect sense of calm, endless patience, and a zen-like state of mind. Georgia has the most amazing laugh, and she laughs all day long, and her husband adores her sense of humor and supports her and her personal interests, including spending ample time with her friends and frequent girls' trips. So Georgia is all these things. Um, she Georgia's making me tired. I know. I'm really tired just reading this. So she has an amazing career, but she's also a stay-at-home mom. She spends so much time with her kids. They are perfectly well-behaved, but at the same time, they have a ton of fun and they can let loose at any moment. I think that where, where does this come from? Where do all of these ideas come from, do you think? Honestly, all I see when I, when I listen to that description, all I see is white, like white noise on a TV screen, like (laughs) there isn't, um, all this comes from the messaging that we've received from people around us, people who we admired, who we trusted, who we, um, found fascinating or interesting. And I think that any of those descriptors on its face, they're wonderful. 
but together is not only unrealistic, it's, um, exhausting. Yeah. Beyond exhausting. So something, something that I really love to teach, um, the women that, that I get to work with is that they have to almost the foundation of it all is they have to be rooted in something other than themselves first, whether that's God or the universe or source energy or whatever you phrase it as. You have to be rooted in something other than yourself or else you're going to be flying every sort, every sort of way. You know, if the new trend is um, bell-bottom jeans and you're going to run out and buy bell-bottom jeans. <laughs> so it's like, what are you rooted in first and foremost? And second, where is your inner voice? And so a ton of us have kind of muted our inner voice over time and we've pushed it down and we've ignored it and we've pushed it to the side, whether it's because we're afraid of inconveniencing somebody or whether we're afraid of appearing needy or bossy or whether we're just afraid of appearing weird, right? And so if we can be rooted in something bigger than ourselves and then if we can identify our inner voice, that will lead the way. And we can, we have to, I'm like drawing, I'm sitting on a bed and I'm drawing on the comforter right now, just so you know. (laughs) So we can find our way decision by decision. And so for each of us, the path is going to look different, which can sound so cliche, but that is, that is so true. That is what I know for sure is that each of our paths are going to look different because if they looked the same, none of us would be fulfilled. None of us would have joy and none of us would, would be fully ourselves. And so the trick is to tune into your voice, to your intuition, and to know what you want. You're going to have to answer these questions for yourself over and over and over. Who am I and who do I want to be? And all the other white noise on the outside is just kind of, it's going to go on and it's going to be there forever. But that's, it's going to Right now, sometimes the white noise is really loud and it seems like it's right in your face and the volume is at a hundred. And the more you tune in to your inner voice, that volume gets lower and lower and lower and you really don't get affected by it that much. Right. And I think, like you said, when we're not rooted in something strong and we're not, when our feet are not firmly planted on the ground, we do tend to drift and we search after and chase after things that might not necessarily be of any value to us. And it it makes me think, you know, Georgia, she does all these Pinterest projects with her kids. And on Valentine's Day in February, I bought my kids Valentine's at Target. And when I went to school, like when I, when I got them ready and ready to go, um, I felt just fine about it. And I actually, I actually forgot to even take them to school, but that's a whole nother story. Um, so my kids didn't even have Valentine's. So not only did I buy them at Target, but I also forgot to take them to school. Uh, but when I brought the bag of Valentine's home that my kids got from the other families, I felt a little bit less than 
because they were really beautiful and really elaborate. And I had to remind myself that crafting beautiful Pinterest Valentine cards are not my strength. That is not a talent of mine. And I have other talents and I have other areas of worth and I should not measure another person's against my own in that way because I'm never going to be doing Pinterest Valentines and that's just who I am. And it doesn't make me less than. No, absolutely not. And I mean, not for nothing, but you have a PhD, you know, maybe PhD is your thing. When we look at Georgia, right? And she's doing all these fantastic things that are amazing. And I'm super happy for Georgia. What I really want to know about Georgia is, uh, does she feel good about her life? And so what I think creates, a, am not even going to say a perfect mother. I'm going to say a good mother and a good, well-lived life is that you're enjoying yourself. And that is the measuring stick by which I make decisions. Am I going to enjoy myself? Um, is this, is my family going to enjoy it? If Georgia can make choices based on her joy and her family's joy, that it will all sift itself out. The path will be much clearer. I think you're right. And I think when, if you look at someone like Georgia, you know, who has everything going on, she's doing it all. I wonder if that was the life that she saw for herself. Is that what she had planned out for herself? Because I think that during our first pregnancy, a lot of us try to imagine. And I I read this book when I was pregnant called The Seven Stages of Parenthood. I think that's the name. Mm -hmm. But so Ellen Galinsky talks about the stage during pregnancy, which she calls image making, which is this is the stage where you really create this image of what your life is going to be like with a child and what family life is going to be like. And I know in many ways for me that there were certain things that I decided even before I had children, like I wanted a natural medication free childbirth and I wanted to breastfeed and things that I felt like I made decisions before I was even in those situations. And I think that that can be a little bit dangerous because when we're making decisions, when we really have no idea what that environment and what that circumstance is going to bring to us, it it makes it puts us in a very vulnerable position. There's no way we can know. <laughs> There's just no way we know what it's going to feel like because once you become a mom, you're someone totally and completely different. And not only in yourself as a woman, but as a wife, it's the, it, it changes and maybe not as a wife or as a girlfriend or whatever it is. It changes the relationship dynamics of all of your whole life. So it's like we can't even, we can think we know, but we really cannot know. Um, and I was, I was thinking while, while you were saying that, a great point was that like, what, what did you think your life was going to be like? I'm super glad my life is not what I thought it was going to be like. Like, because it was the image of my life that I had right now was very clean and neat and tidy, so to speak, like not literally, but you know, maybe I, there were just cleaner lines and everything is a mess right now. There are, everything is gray. 
you know, I work a little here, I work a little there, then it's a nap time, then I do a load of laundry, <laughs> then I uh, write a book proposal, then I everything's just kind of one big mess, right? I play with my kids. I play with my kids while I'm doing dinner, while I'm giving my husband a kiss, while I'm feeding the dog. You know what I mean? Yeah, very haphazard. Yes, it's just it's just a big flow and it's just kind of just flowing around and everything gets done in the day. Well, the important things rather, but there's no structure. There's almost no structure to the day. And I'm a person who thrives on structure and who loves structure. And it's kind of just pushed me out of that um, need and into it's just pushed me out of my comfort zone to just kind of be in the moment, to enjoy it. Um, to not freak out about poop on my arm, to just try the best that I can in my career. You know, there are, I say sometimes that like, I'm like, I could be president of the United States if I didn't have kids. <laughs> like I have so much time. I would have so much time. I could just like do it. I could call people when I say I'm going to call them. I could do the emails, <laughs> you know? And, but then but then what? Right. Is that really what I want? No, I don't. I'm having a great time with my girls. And I just, I don't think that we give us ourselves enough credit for, um, the day to day and for just enjoying our lives and for just being present. I think, I think we're all wrapped up in the end result. So like George's description, all those, all those things that Georgia is doing, those are all, um, what am I looking for? The word that I'm looking for is, what is the word I'm looking for? It's like, um, basically outside validation, right? So all those things are someone is seeing her and that's what she's doing, right? They're like, oh, check, check. They're checking all these boxes. And I'm like, what about, uh, does she really love her husband or her, or her wife or her girlfriend? Or does she, um, does she, when she laughs, is she really laughing or is she just checking a box? <laughs> I think that you, yeah, you bring up box checking, which is a really important point because like you said, I think a lot of us do crave structure. And when you're in a role like being a mother, you don't necessarily have those, you know, annual progress reports to know that you're doing things right. And by checking boxes, you can at least know that you're getting something done on days when it feels like you're not getting anything done. Um, this makes me think back when I was first looking for preschools for my son, my first child, we visited a school that I had heard had a lot of really wonderful amenities. And when they were telling us about the amenities, they were listing them. And one of the things that was listed was culinary classes. And I was very intrigued about culinary classes for my two-year-old, not, ne not necessarily in a good way. Um, so I observed a culinary class for the two-year-olds, and they were all sitting around at a table labeling pieces of fruit which I thought was great because, I mean, every kid needs to know the names of fruits. But at the same time, 
do I really value culinary classes or do I value the idea of something that sounds really great and really fancy in theory, but is it actually really important to me and is it really important to my family? And how do I avoid avoid getting sucked into things like this, things that sound really cool, like, oh yeah, culinary classes for two-year-olds, but really they don't mean anything and they're not really useful and valuable. Yeah, the trade there is time. Right. So if he's in culinary classes, he um, is not with you or with your husband or, you know, whatever that you're trading time on some level. Right. So it's like, is that worth it? Is that worth? And sometimes the answer is yes, 100 percent is worth it. And sometimes the answer is no. So it's like, where do you want to allocate your family's energy at that point? Right. Yeah. And, and I think getting absorbed into these amenities, like, you know, if there are a lot of people out there, I think who sign their kids up for a lot of activities thinking, Hey, if John next door is getting culinary classes at two, maybe my kid needs culinary classes at two. And this idea of keeping up with their neighbors and other people in the community that are doing everything and trying to be everything just like Georgia, I think that that can be hard to avoid. I definitely think it can be hard to avoid for sure. I will pass on some advice that I heard from Jen Hatmaker the other day. It was, I went to an event with um, Jen Hatmaker and Nicole Nordeman and Jen Hat, somebody asked them how they uh, balance their lives, how they find balance in their lives. <laughs> and um, Jen Hatmaker says, she says no to a lot. And Nicole Nordeman said, I keep the bar real low and then I lower it up a little bit more. <laughs> I think that we are, we're striving to be this totally 100% fictional character, the size two, you know, and God bless people who are at size two. That's not what I mean. I just mean the, this like, um, statue of a person that doesn't exist. And even if she did exist, she'd be, she'd probably be real sad. <laughs> And so it's like, what is the driving force in your life outside validation or your inner joy? I want to share a little, um, a little something that I wrote in the courage to become, because I just love it. And it's advice passed down from Rob Bell and Rob Bell has this amazing podcast. Um, it's called the Rob cast, um, in case your reader or your audience wants to listen, but he taught on good versus perfect. Good comes to us from the Hebrews, and that word is tov. Perfect comes to us from the Greeks, and that word is teleos. And everyone knows like ancient Greek statues, right? Beautiful, gorgeous, perfect almost, right? It's like bodies were constructed, and it was like when we see somebody with a really great body, what do we say? They look like a Greek statue, right? And so this idea of perfect in the definition is it's pinnacle, it's static, it's not changing. It's reached the end of the line. Perfect is when it's finished. Now, the Hebrews gave us this word tov. And in this definition, tov means that it's evolving, it's dynamic. It's gritty. 
It's sexy. It's changing. It's morphing. And people strove to be good. Perfect was you were done. (laughs) Good means you're alive and you're changing and you're evolving and you're moving forward and you're negotiating and you're figuring it out and you're seeing what works and you're transcending and including. And it's all about the movement. And so if Georgia is perfect, she's at the end of the line. That's it. Done. Close the curtain on Georgia. (laughs) But for the rest of us, I just want to be good. I want to evolve and change and feel and cry and be happy and sad. And like, I want to do, I want to feel the fullness of the emotions, the fullness of the experiences. I don't want the curtain to close on me. I love that. I think that embracing all the feelings is something that. Oh my gosh. is so important. Yes. Holding the tension, right? Holding the tension of uh, being a masterpiece and a work of art at the same time, holding the tension, something I tell my daughter and something that's now part of our family dynamic is um, we tell her you can be happy. You will. We, we tell her you can miss someone and be happy at the same time because I want her to be able to hold both of those feelings in her heart. I don't ever want her to feel like, and I say her, I have two daughters, but one can't talk back to me yet. (laughs) So the older one, the three and a half year old, because I don't ever want her to feel like she has to sacrifice on account of someone else's comfort. Right? So growing up, I thought that if I missed someone, I had to show it. Like I had to show it in an obvious way. Right? I had to cry. I had to be somber. I had to not have as much fun. And so I thought that I could only really be feeling one emotion at, at a time, but that's really not how it works. The older I get, the more emotions I feel at a time. You know, how many times are you looking at your kid and your heart is breaking and expanding at the same time? You're like, Oh my God, I can't believe they learned that word. And you're just so thrilled for them. And you're also like, Oh, but that means they're growing up. You know, it's like we're constantly holding these tensions. And I think that the more we can hold these tensions and the more we can get comfortable holding these within us, the more that we'll be able to kind of cherry pick our way through life. Some, a lot of us have been told we have to be one way or the other, choose one way, you know, and that's just not true. It's a false, it's false dichotomy. And I also think it's something that we're teaching our kids, which isn't healthy either. And I think we do in some ways limit the feelings that our kids experience because we're often teaching them when they're angry or when they're sad that those are negative emotions and that we're trying to squash those emotions out of them. But I think we can all do a better job of really embracing all the feelings in our children and and in ourselves, because they're always watching us and seeing how we react and how we live and learning from that. Oh, yeah. Start. We have to start with ourselves. If we're comfortable in it, they will follow. We won't have to teach them a thing. They follow by watching. So next time someone is angry, say, I'm angry. I mean, when was the last time you said you were angry out loud? Probably, you know? probably today. 
Oh, good. good <laughs> on the, the 1,000 snow day this year that my kids have had. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Good for you. We actually, we, we talk about frustration a lot in our house. And after I get frustrated with my kids, I always debrief and I say, you know, I was really frustrated. It's okay yeah. to be frustrated and we still love each other and we we move past it. And um, my son has started talking and my four-year-old has started talking about that too. When he gets frustrated after he calms down, he reflects and it's very simple and very basic. But he'll say, I was frustrated. I'm sorry I yelled at you, but I still love you. And sort of connecting those feelings that you can feel two ways towards someone. You can love someone and feel so angry at them at the same time. Yes, it's so helpful. It's so freeing, right? To be able to say, oh, yes, like I love you. And also you're annoying. (laughs) Yes. And I think anyone we live with, any member of our family, we're going to have those conflicting feelings. And also about ourselves, right? Like we are super proud that um, we've done a devotional six days in a row and we are excited about that. And also we're kind of a little frustrated with ourselves because we haven't gotten our car registered again or whatever, you know? (laughs) Yes. It's these examples sound so silly, but they are the, they are the situations that make up our day. Right. Absolutely. It's like just layer of, and layer and layer of all these tiny little decisions. And it's like, like, let's cut ourselves a break. Like, honestly, I don't want to, I don't want to go through life trying to be so awesome that I forget to enjoy it. The, the world will tell us to be like Georgia, organic. Wh- when are you doing community service? Are you going to church every Sunday? Does your daughter have matching socks? Um, does, you know, something's got to give. Right. Something You're going to spend to give. so much time checking boxes that you don't oh, have time to enjoy. Yes. What's right I'll in front of you. I'll tell you something totally vulnerable for your audience. Um, audience, nice to meet you. Now we're really good friends. So... I was in therapy, um, I don't know, 10 years ago. I go to therapy often, but this is about 10 years ago before I had, while I was still single. And my therapist said, um, what is your greatest fear? And I said, being ordinary. And she said, um, do you think I'm ordinary? And I said, I do. I said, at this point, she had three kids. Her name was Amelia. I said, you have three kids. You go to H-E-B on Mondays. H-E-B is a grocery store here. I'm like, you go to the grocery store on Mondays. You pick up the kids from school. You go to work. And I'm just like talking in this humdrum tone, right? And that fear drove me for a very long time. And I was very successful, very productive, you know, as a career woman made a lot of money, all that stuff. Then I met my husband and I took a step. I chose to take a step back from my career, which was a weird move. And I live in Austin and people are very progressive here. And so that was like a very 1950s move for me. Most people thought like, Ooh, why are you taking a step back? You know, but it's what I wanted to do. So I did. Um, And I did all sorts of things that moved me toward a more traditional female role, like 
you know, Mad Men style. <laughs> like I was like cooking dinner every night, less of a career. Like I made all these moves. So all of a sudden, um, I find myself in a life that I feared for a really long time. And I go to, I go to the grocery store and I had my youngest with me and she's about one at the time. So it was not too long ago. And I saw my therapist from 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, Amelia. And she said, God, yeah. And I walked up to her and she had one of her girls with her. And I just put my hands on her shoulders and I said, Amelia. And she said, yeah. And I said, I'm ordinary. And she said, yeah. And I said, I love it. And she said, yeah. And we just hugged. And it was just such a beautiful full circle moment for me. I'm sure she knew I was full of, I was full of crap when I said it, when I was 25, you know, she, she, she knew I did not know, but there is like, I didn't know how much magic there could be in the ordinary, how much it's, yeah, it was so cool. It was such a cool moment for me. And also for, for she and I to share, but also for me to realize, I mean, I was sitting, standing, existing in what I thought was going to be the worst. And it turns out it's the best. So we just can't go in with our own plans. Many times we have to let life sort of guide us and work its way out. I mean, I think you can go in with whatever you want. My um, encouragement would be to savor the moments and whatever those look like. If, if you're on a jet plane and you're going to see Oprah, savor the moment. If you're um, in HEB and if you're in the grocery store and you locked your keys in the car and all of a sudden you're having to call a locksmith, which FYI happened to me um, three weeks ago, I locked myself out of the car. I had two girls. Um, we were in the parking lot. I mean, it was just a hot mess. <laughs> and I thought, what are my options here? I can get really ticked off or whatever. We can eat popsicles in the parking lot and like have some fun with it. And not that I choose to have fun with it every time by no means, but it's like, I'm not, I can either pressure myself to be this amazing author and like get more and more press and do more and more things and kind of build the snowball, right? Or I can just kind of live in my purpose and see where it takes me be intentional about the steps I take, of course, but not force myself and not force the situation. Does that make sense? It does. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for your time today, Katya. This has been really such a great thing to talk to another woman, another mother about this topic, because if anyone has listened to last week's episode number 98, I totally got called out on being a perfectionist (laughs) by my guest, Dr. Kennedy, the sleep expert. And she was right. I think in many ways I see myself in Georgia and I easily get caught up in some of the things that she doing and I need to constantly reassess are these things important to me are these things of value to me are the things that I'm striving for are those me or are those somebody else do those things belong to someone else two things number one you're bigger than Georgia like Georgia's definition is too small for you you're gonna have feelings and thoughts and wants beyond 
Georgia. So like throw Georgia out the window just because you're bigger and better and more expansive. And second of all, um, just, I just think that if we just settled in, right. Settled into who we are, let's say we didn't strive at all, right. What would happen? Sometimes I think, oh, the world will fall apart if I stop striving. (laughs) What will happen to my family? What will happen to my career? What will happen to any of these things if I stop striving? But man, and this is something I'm working toward a lot too. I mean, can we just give ourselves some days of not striving, some days of just being, right? Yeah, some days of rest, much needed rest for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just be, just rest, just enjoy, just enjoy. Well, thank you, Katya. I really appreciate that. These have been some lovely thoughts and I look forward to talking to you again. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode with Katya Hollam. Please check out her book, The Courage to Become. I'll put the link to that in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 99. If you want to talk more about this topic and about finding mindfulness and calm in family, go to simplefamilies.com forward slash March. That's the topic that we're discussing in the small group for this month. And when you have a moment, please leave a rating or review in iTunes for the show. Your support is greatly appreciated. Have a good one.